Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. The Lord has dropped a word in my heart this morning. And um, the title of my message is this, okay? And this is an encouraging word. How many people are up for an encouraging word this morning? Amen? Um, and what, if, what, what God did, it was something a little bit unusual for me because normally the Lord would give me a theme, you know, like security and God or whatever it might be or understanding the love of God or the grace of God. And then the title of the message, really, I would just kind of think of the best way that I could describe the, me- the, the theme that God had put in my heart. But when God dropped this title into my heart, I knew... It was a very word-specific title. I knew that this phrase was going to be memorable and prophetic and specific for people who heard this word. And it started to work in my heart. Now, this is the title of my message. How much do you believe that God is in control of your life? Let me say that again. How much do you believe that God is in control of your life? Now, you may enter into um, 2023, and there may be some confusion in your life. You may be entering this year with a degree of fear in your life because you you know, you're challenged by maybe some diagnosis of the doctor or whatever it would be. I don't know the specific circumstances of everybody's life who is here this morning or who even might hear this message. You may be, you may have been particularly lonely over Christmas because you've lost a loved one and this is the first Christmas that you've had without that person who was very special to you. You may, you may have made mistakes in 2022, and as a result of that, you, you know, you're, you're feeling, you're feeling to a certain extent like things are a little bit out of control in your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And I want to, I, I want to really speak into that this morning, and I want to encourage you so that your faith is increased in a God who knows the end from the beginning, a God who loves you unconditionally, a God who is with you every moment of the day, amen, and a God in whom you can trust from now to the moment that you stand before him in eternity, amen. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. So I want to talk to you this morning really about living, securing God around this title, this question. How much do you believe God is in control of your life? You see, one of the key truths to living, securing God is how much I believe, truly believe. I mean, my heart is established in it that God is totally in control of my life. Now, here we go. Number one, 
and those of you who've heard me before, I tend to be quite, um, you know, an analytical preacher. So it gives people things to write down and also things to remember when they're, when they're going over what's been actually said. So try and keep in mind the reading that we've just heard. And I'm going to be coming back and referring to that and one or two other readings um, in a few moments. So I use the word, how much in my title because in reality there are things that I believe totally and absolutely and there are other things, even teachings in the Word of God, that I'm not 100% sure whether I've got it right or whether I've got it wrong. Now listen, if I can give you the, the, an example, I am convinced without a shadow of a doubt about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are there some people who would agree with me? Amen. I am convinced without a shadow of doubt he is the only way of salvation and relationship with God. Amen? No saint, no holy man, no apostle, not even any specific belief in Mary, um, the mother of Jesus or whatever. Okay? There is no other name under heaven by which a man or a woman can come into relationship with God. Now, when it comes to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am totally and absolutely convinced. Amen? When I say amen, by the way, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, do you agree? Amen just simply means, do you agree? I am, you know, and when you say amen back to me, what you're saying is, what you have said, I agree with. Amen? amen. Wonderful. Absolutely great. So, I'm convinced of Jesus. I have proven over the years that when I pray in his name, my prayers are totally and absolutely all-powerful. It's the name that makes the difference because What's behind that name is the awesome, infinite power of a glorious, all-powerful God. Speaking that name into a sickness, speaking that name into some kind of um, demonization, speaking that name into some impossibility in a person's life, I am calling upon the infinite resources of Almighty God. Amen? And what makes the difference is Jesus. Jesus is the difference. Now you say to me, Clyde, how, how, you know, how much do you believe it? Totally. Absolutely. Now when it comes to other things, you know, um, say the sequence of events leading up to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I am totally convinced Jesus is coming back again, amen? It's in the Word of God. But how that may work out, the older I've got, and the more that I've looked at it, if I'm absolutely sure, I cannot put my, my hand to my heart and say, I am absolutely convinced it's going to happen this way, amen? And so there are other things that I'm not 100% convinced about. Now, earlier in, um, earlier in Acts in chapter 4, Peter says, when addressing the people, know this, all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And this is a man who had been miraculously healed, who was, who was crippled from birth. 
And he goes on to say, the stone whom the builders rejected. Now, this is, this is, this is amazing because Peter is seeing something out of the Old Testament in a psalm that in its specific context in the Old Testament is actually talking about David. And the same thing happens in Acts chapter 4. But when, when he looks at that and looks at his situation, that which is in the Old Testament has a prophetic relevance to what he's seeing now in, happening in his day and in his life. And he goes on to say, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found by no other name. Sorry, salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name under heaven given to mankind where we can be saved. So there's certain things I'm sure of. There are certain things that I'm not 100% sure about. Now, number two, there are certain things that when I read the Bible, if I'm honest with you, I get a little confused about them. I don't know why things worked out that way. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a little bit confused sometimes when I look at attitudes to women, at attitudes to slavery, at things like, um, things like polygamy, for instance. Now, there is something. I go to the Old Testament. I read certain things. Solomon has a thousand wives and concubines. And I'm a bit confused about that because it, it seems as though God doesn't specifically come and rebuke him. The only thing he says is he shouldn't have taken them from, evil, from uh, pagan nations, okay? And, and then on a, at one day, and I'm reading this one day and I'm thinking to myself, and I'll just share my thoughts with you, okay? Um, the prophet Nathan comes to David because David has taken another man's wife for himself and he's actually, he's actually murdered her husband, and Nathan the prophet comes, and he says, look, and he uses the analogy, here is a shepherd, and he's got all these sheep, and this man over here has only got one sheep, and he takes this sheep, and takes, what would you do with that man? And David, under no, no, you know, doubt whatsoever what he would have done with that man, and of course, the prophet Nathan said, thou art the man, thou art the man, you see, now, that's fine, but for my life of me, I can't understand why he doesn't carry on to say, and by the way, don't you think the 275 wives is a little bit excessive? <laughs> Amen? Apart from anything else, what are you going to do with all those shoes, gentlemen? Do you know what I mean? All those marks. He's going to have to build a palace just for the Marks and Spencer's shoes. I'm having a bit of fun, okay? But what I'm saying to you, there are things that sometimes I get a little confused by. Then number three, I use the term believe because there's certain things I used to believe that I do not believe anymore. And um, I could give you a list of them, but... Um, when I was a young lad, 12 years, probably 10, 12 years of age, <clears throat> I had a hero. And my hero was, well, I thought it was, a big fish called Flipper. Has anybody heard of Flipper? 
They call him Flipper, Flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. I'll stop there, okay? <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be getting in trouble from Pastor, Pastor Raphael because you're going to start worshiping to that tune. I can tell any minute, okay? So Flipper was my hero, and I used to watch him in black and white on the telly. And then Flipper came to the cinema in the little town of Bishop Auckland. But the problem was, I had been told that if I was in the cinema and Jesus came back again, I would not go to heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Now you laugh at that, okay. But the reality was, we were told that. I heard a message on sitting in the seat of the scornful, and part of that was, you're not allowed to go to the cinema, and if you do, then you won't go to heaven with Jesus. I am not kidding you. This is what we were taught. And here I am. Now, I dare not ask my dad, okay, can I go and watch Flipper at the cinema? Otherwise, I would have had to take my life in my own hands, all right? So I sneaked and told my mom, I said, can I have a shilling? Mom, don't tell anybody, okay? And she says, all right, go. It's all right, you go, son, you know. Now, she's actually letting me go so that I would learn that this is an evil act and behavior, get convicted of sin. And ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not, I am sat there watching Flipper the Dolphin, enjoying myself, and then all of a sudden, I get an overwhelming conviction that if Jesus comes back, I am not going to go to heaven. And I never even got to the end of the film. Why am I saying that? Because you need to know, I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> Amen. I don't believe that anymore. And there are lots of things, you know, over the years, I used to believe that I don't believe anymore. Now, I want to come back now, number four, to the context of this passage of Scripture. Well, now we're going to get serious. And the events leading up to Peter, Peter addressing the believers at this time. This is key to understanding the essential truth of what we see here in Scripture. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. What had happened is Christ had been crucified. And it would be true to say that the believers did not know or thought that it was going to happen this way. That this was the way in which Jesus was going to become king. And then he, through a number of miracles and appearances, he convinced them that he was risen from the dead. Then they had the experience of the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Peter preached this amazing sermon on the subject of who Christ was and God's purpose for salvation and the power of his name. Then they experienced this astonishing miracle of healing of a man who everyone knew in the town. Now, this isn't just a guy, you know, who lived in an obscure little, little uh, house somewhere on the, on the edge of the of the town. He, he is somebody everybody knows and he has been lame from birth. And he's being carried to the place at the entrance of the temple where he is going to beg, as he always did. And he had friends who, was, who were there. And Peter comes along and under the anointing of the Spirit, this man is miraculously healed. 
Now, here is, get this picture, because while Peter is preaching about the name of Jesus, this man is actually standing right there in front of them. Can you imagine what it must be like to preach a message when an astonishing miracle like this has taken place? And, um, And of course, then what happened was the Jewish priests, the Roman captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees all came to listen and they listened in and just as an understanding the Sadducees and the Pharisees were two different groups of Jewish leaders the Sadducees had the responsibility for everything that happened in the temple and Peter is preaching here outside of the temple and this man has been healed on the gates of the temple the Sadducees, is, it's also interesting to note, according to Josephus, the historian, that they, they did not believe in the sovereignty of God. It's interesting. They had a strong sense of belief that man was a creature of his own destiny. And so this message, which was establishing the truth of the sovereignty of God would have been something that really rubbed them up the wrong way. And the next day, Peter and John were called before them and they forbade them that they would ever preach again in the name of Jesus. Peter and John were reporting back to the believers that they had been expressly forbidden to teach in the name of Jesus and to pray in his name. Now, this was their response and this is the heart of what I want to bring to you today. This was their response to establish a firm foundation of faith to now go ahead and defy the leaders and preach in the name of Jesus and establish the church of of Christ, okay? So what was that foundation of faith? Now, there there are many truths that came out of what Peter was saying at this time. But I believe there was a truth undergirding these other truths about the person of Christ, the power of the gospel, who Jesus was. And that undergirding truth was the foundation that we serve a God who is always in control. A God who is always in control. Now listen, I'm I'm a builder by trade. And I know the importance of foundations. Whatever you build on, if that foundation is not right, you need to know that everything else is going to fall to the ground. And I believe one of those foundations for everything that they did, and this is my fifth point, and everything that they would be doing was that ultimately God was in control. Now notice in Acts chapter 2, when we just go back a couple of chapters, After the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, Peter addresses the crowd outside and he says these words, verse 2, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God by you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. This is important, friends. 
before they ever start to talk or, or even pray into the miracles, before they ever start to pray into the future, the power of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel, establish the church, they establish this truth that God is in control. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailed him on the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, for it was impossible for death to keep hold on him. And then we come to Acts 4 in our reading. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And again, before they start to pray into, Lord, enable us to preach your word with signs and wonders following the preaching of the word, what does he say? They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. You need to know, friends, God is in control. Before they ever prayed about the signs and wonders, they established this truth. No matter how bad things get, no matter how good things get, no matter how confusing things get, no matter how confident they are of the will of God for the future, whatever the circumstances, God is always in control. Amen. Now, as I move to my conclusion. There's just a few other truths that I want to bring out. I use the word and you'll notice that I'm coming back to this phrase. How much do you believe that God is in control of your life? I use the word control and I believe God has dropped this word into my heart because you see I personally don't believe that God makes everything happen. In other words, it's related to my life. It's not important. I don't need to pray about going down to buy some toothpaste at Lazenia Boulevard. Do you know what I mean? I don't need, I believe if I commit my day to the Lord, then I go and, uh, and I, can, I can buy my toothpaste. So God may not make everything happen, but he does always have the last word. He always has the last word. <coughs> and you know, friends, whatever circumstance you're facing in your life right now, and it may seem as though all kinds of things had happened and you cannot see God in those things, I want to tell you this morning, it's not over until God says it's over. Amen? It's not over until, I'm going to come back to that in a moment, okay? Now, finally, just bringing this to a conclusion... Number seven, I use the words your life in my title specifically because ultimately it's your personal relationship with God that is always most important. Living secure in God is mostly about God and me. It's not firstly about, you know, what I believe about church structure or the second coming or whatever. Those things are important because they're truths of the word of God. But ultimate security in God comes about what I believe about God and me. What do you believe about God and you? This is where security... You know, friends, when I am five minutes from eternity... I won't be concerning myself with what I believe about church structure and eldership. When I am five minutes from eternity, I, I won't be saying, well, I wonder if I got it right about the second coming. When I'm five minutes from, as, in, as essential as all of those truths are, 
what will give me security on that day is what I believe about God and me. Would you agree with me? Amen. What do I believe? Do I believe that God really loves me? Do I believe that I am forgiven of God? Do I believe that I am covered by His grace and His mercy in my life? Amen? Do I believe my life right up until this moment in time is really in the hands of a sovereign God? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I'm encouraging you to strengthen your faith in a God who is always in control. Do I believe in that moment, five minutes before I potentially could pass into eternity, do I believe that I will not pass into eternity until God says it's my appointed time? It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says in life. When it's my appointed time, the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. Do I believe that until God says, appointed time, Clyde Sandry will not enter into eternity. I believe that. My, my, my father, I'll just conclude with this, you know, and it's just come to my mind to share it with you. My dad was diagnosed with cancer and uh, had a number of operations. And um, I, was, I was preaching away and I was called to go back to the hospital because he'd been taken into hospital. And I went to meet with the doctor. And my mum was there. My best friend was there. My ministry team was there. And um, my mum said, Dad is going to be with Jesus, son. My friend said, uh, because I was believing God for a miracle. My friend said to me, Clyde, you need to prepare yourself. I know you've been trusting God. My dad was on a life support machine. And um, I went to the end of the bed and I put my hand on his hand, on his foot. And this thing is down his throat and everything. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he's not going to die. It's not his appointed time. And I knew I had to declare that. And I said to the folks, look, I'm not being super spiritual now. I'm just telling you what I believe in my heart. It's, no, it's not going to happen. Now, we've had the operation, and they're about to switch this, this machine off. And so they went up, and they switched the machine off, and my dad breathed, and my dad lived. And... Um, you know, whatever you believe about seeing in the area of the Spirit, I can just share my experience. When I had my hand on his foot, I, I saw my dad and I walking through some fields together. And, um, and on the basis of that, I knew that, that he was not going to die. It wasn't his appointed time. And again, you see, friends, this is why I'm confident about the name of Jesus. Amen? I approve in the name of Jesus. I'm not standing here before you today with some theory. I have proven this name. I have proven this name. I have proven this name to defy death, to defy cancer, to defy blindness. I have proven this name to defy, to, to defy lameness and people in wheelchairs. I have proven this name to see people who are the hardest sinners come into relationship with God and see their lives transformed. Why? Because of the name. 
Amen? And um, anyway, to cut a long story short, six weeks later, my, my dad was not a hobbies person, okay? My dad lived for church, the family, and work. That was it. Nothing else. Went to work, went to church, and, uh, and the family. But I got him to come fishing with me on this day. I said, you've got to come fishing with me, okay? I said, apart from anything else, I prayed for you and you're alive today, so you're coming fishing with me. And so we went fishing, and I, we went through in, in this area in Coventry, and as we were walking through this field together to get down to the lake, I stopped in the middle of the lake. I said, stop. And we looked around, and I said to my dad, I saw this when you were lying on the bed. And we stopped. <laughs> We stopped for a moment and worshiped God. Because we had an overwhelming sense that God was in control of our lives. I want to say to you this morning, you know, you say, Clyde, you know, I've messed up. What happens when we mess up? Listen, the Bible says in Romans 8 that God causes all things to work together for good. God does not say everything will be good, but he does say that he will cause those things to work together for good. Amen? And I say again, whatever you're going through, it's not over until God says it's over. Amen? Some of you may feel under attack right now. And I want to encourage you again with the psalmist who says, you know, that in the end you will look in triumph on your foes. For the person who trusts in the Lord... In the end, he will look in triumph on his fault. Some of you may have had bad news. Psalm 112 says, you will, the man who trusts in God, who is established in his word, will never be afraid of bad news because his heart is secure, established in the word of God. Amen. Established in faith, trusting in the Lord. Amen. I'm not saying we won't go through things in life, but what I'm saying to you, friends, this morning, be encouraged with this. Amen? In your life, all the circumstances of life, your God is in control. Amen? This is the foundation. Whatever we do on top of this, whatever I do in talking to my non-Christian friends, the foundation of my life is God is in control. Whatever tomorrow may hold, God is in control. Amen? If we have a great day tomorrow, if, if it's all good news tomorrow, God is in control. If we get some bad news tomorrow or we're challenged with something, how many of you know God is in control? Amen? When, when this is the foundation of your life, you're not phased by world events. Amen? You're not phased, friends, by world pandemics. People phone me up during the pandemic. They say, what do you think the, you know, the significance in the light of eschatology is of this pandemic? I said, I don't give it a second thought if I'm absolutely clear. How do you do that? Because God is in control. God is in control. Amen? And, you, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you live your life like this, you will live secure in God. Uh, there's an old song and... Uh, <laughs> Some of you may remember this, that we, used to th that we used to sing. And I often think of these words, okay. Many things about tomorrow I may not seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know 
who holds my hand. Many things about tomorrow I may not seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Amen. How much do you believe that God is in control? Leave this meeting today, friends, knowing this. You can be convinced in your heart, according to the Word of God, that your God is completely and absolutely in control. He is the sovereign King of the universe. God is not only powerful, He is infinitely powerful. Don't even talk to me about how powerful the devil is. Don't even talk to me about occultists that levitate across the floor. Listen, my God is infinite. Can we imagine what that is? He throws 1,600 light years of stars in space with one word of his power. That's how powerful he is. And it doesn't stress him whatsoever. I'm going to need to sit down now whether I'm going to preach all day. God bless you. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.